Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Slime. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Today is Monday, January 11th, 2021. And the word of the day is slime. I hope you were all watching the CBS game on Sunday, which was yesterday. It was the Saints against the I was going to say Saints against the Steelers. Can you imagine the Saints against the Bears was the game. It ended 21 to nine on a last second, unbelievable touchdown catch by Chicago, but no extra point. You know, Coca, they changed the rule on that. Do you know what the line was in that game? It was 10, 11 or 12, depending on when I guess you make the pick and when you call it in. But the NFL made a rule just a couple of years ago that on a touchdown scored at the end of a game, there is no PAT or two-point conversion attempt that is allowed if a successful point after or two-point conversion would not alter the score. In this case, it would have altered the betting score, but not the final score of the game. So I'm watching the CBS show, and I'm on Twitter, seeing what's going on, thinking about today's show, and I see something about Nickelodeon. And I had totally forgotten because there had been no preview on CBS with Tony Romo and with Jim Nance. By the way, Coke, I don't know if you heard the line that Nance gave. It was the line of the weekend to Tony Romo. It was Christmas related. And he said, somebody, maybe Drew Brees, who cares who he was talking about? That the only person who had a better Christmas than he did were the three Romo boys, which was an obvious shout out to Tony Romo's new contract, making him the highest paid NFL analyst at about 17 large per year. So the game is going on and I'm reminded that there is a simulcast on Nickelodeon and we had previewed it on a previous Nothing Personal. I was super excited to look at it, but had totally forgotten. So I immediately went to the guide because Nickelodeon is not a favorite station. It's not saved. I didn't know where it was. So I found it. I went to Nickelodeon and I listened with sound on, which I don't do that often. And I watched and I noticed that the first down lines were moving. I noticed that when a team scored, there was sort of confetti and slime going up in the air from what looked like cannons in the four corners of the end zone. I noticed when a field goal attempt was taking place that they put a big green screen of SpongeBob in between the uprights, which made it so I couldn't see whether the ball was actually going through the uprights or not, made it impossible to see. And I was listening to the sideline reporter who was a boy talking about what he's seen and how excited everyone seems on the bench and how the Bears are in the game. And I'm listening to Noah Eagle, the son of Ian Eagle, who is an, a well-known NFL play-by-play guy. His son was the play-by-play guy for this Nickelodeon slime-filled simulcast. So the graphics were all different colors and they put funny shapes and it had cartoon characters everywhere. And I had the following one, 
three thoughts. The first thought I had is that how do I feel about watching this with no children of a young age? I was watching with my senior in high school son, and I was wondering whether or not that I could explain to him that I'm solely watching this for research purposes, not because I'm actually that age from an intelligence or any other standpoint, most importantly, temporal. So I'm wondering, is it wrong? Is it strange? I'm definitely not the target demographic, but I am interested like sort of a train wreck what it's going to be. And then I said to him, if you listen to the announcers, they are announcing this game, keeping in mind that the people watching the game, in theory, kids, don't know the first thing about football. And I was thinking that between Nate Burleson, who was the analyst, a former player, and Gabby Green, and she had a much longer name. I actually had never heard of her. I don't know whether she is a Nickelodeon personality or not, uh, but my guess is she is. Her name is Gabby Green Navaya. And they were talking to me as though I didn't know anything about football. And I was sort of offended. And then I said, wait a minute, this is brilliant. We spent years in baseball, years, hours talking. How do we get younger? How do we get kids to engage in our game? The first thing is to get them playing little league. That would be great. And then teaching them to be associated and have associations with a team and then a player. And then building that emotional connection because those kids will then grow up and either keep playing or become fans. It's the old pipeline that we've gone through on Nothing Personal. NFL is struggling because youth participation is down. Concussions are up, but they have the same pipeline issue that all companies do, that all sports leagues and sports teams do. And this slime broadcast was so positively received that I did in the middle of the game an imitation of MLB executives and other network executives. They were furiously on their phone, ripping out emails to people below them who end up doing the work. But an edict was coming down the mountain, like Muhammad, saying, we're doing this. We have got to do a simulcast World Series game. We have got to find a network that Fox owns. What do they own? What can we do? Where can we put it where kids are going to watch and be interested? NBA, same thing. Adam Silver sending something to his broadcast department. All right, listen, we've got all of our games. We've got Turner. We've got ABC. We've got Disney. Why don't we just get on the Disney channel and put everybody in like Mickey Mouse ears, have Pluto, dopey, goofy, sneezy, and sleepy call the games because then kids are going to be interested in basketball. We're going to have LeBron James with a real crown on it like he's a cartoon character, and this will get people to buy jerseys, love the sport, watch the sport, increase our rights fees. We're all going to make money, and all the kids are going to be happy. That's all I kept thinking is that I'm watching this game. I'm only saying, okay, the kids may or may not like this, but I like it, so I'm going to make this happen in my sport with my team. CBS had the absolute brilliance to do this, and I'm not just saying that, even if I weren't a CBS podcast. It was brilliant to do. 
It's called integrating departments, which is something that very few companies do well, integrating CBS with other Viacom CBS owned platforms. And it's getting your product out to the most possible people, which is the single most important thing when you're trying to sell a product. You've got to get as many people out there as possible to engage with it. Well, word of the day is slime. I didn't feel slimy watching it. I didn't really find it to be hugely value added. I'm not sure that anybody became a fan of the NFL because of it, but there will be a copycat situation with the other leagues so fast that you will be Linda Blair in Exorcist. Okay, there's no segue to the next topic, Coca. Francisco Lindor of the Mets had an opening press conference today live on SNY and Twitter and everywhere else. It started at 11 o'clock Monday Eastern. It is a Zoom call, very frustrating. In the old days pre-COVID, we would fly the player in when we wanted to do an introductory press conference. We would have the media, we'd tell them, be at Marlins Park at 11 a.m. sharp, and we would set up the questions. We'd set up where people would sit in the press conference to make sure the people we wanted, like MLB.com, because we owned MLB.com, one-thirtieth of it, make sure that our rights holder, like which was Fox Sports Florida, that they had premium camera angles, make sure the local news had the ability to do one-on-ones after it would be like a symphony. And the head of PR had the, what's it called, Coca? Is it a baton that a conductor uses in the orchestra? I don't think it's a baton, but I'm thinking that that's the word. And we would choreograph and orchestrate the entire press conference. Now, of course, everything's on Zoom and you have the awkwardness of a PR guy looking into the camera, but not at the camera, a little bit to the side of the camera, sort of like I do on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, which thank you for subscribing to. In comes Francisco Lindor, which means he turns on his video. He's got the Mets hat on, a sweatshirt. He's got the background at his house or wherever he happens to be at 11 o'clock on a random Monday. And we started right in. If you are a Mets fan, what is the most important question that you have? And we talked to members of the media and we talked to the players and we would give players message points. We would do a Q&A, which means that we would actually submit to players written Q&A. Here's the questions that you can expect to be asked. Think about what your answers will be. By the way, if you're asked about Steve Cohn or your owner, or you're asked about your president, your GM or your manager, your team, you always say the same thing. I couldn't be more excited to be in this organization. I want to be a piece of this puzzle that leads to winning because all I want to do is win. It's a great bunch of guys with a great manager, a great GM, and a great owner. I'm just happy to be here. But then you always caution the players to give a nod to where they came from. I loved Cleveland. I had great times there. I wish we had won the 2016 World Series. I still think about it. I can't even watch it. And I love those fans. And even though I'd been talked about being traded when I finally got the call, which means when I finally saw it on Twitter, I was sad, but I was so happy to be going to such a great city like New York. All right. Interesting to fans? No. That is what's interesting to an owner and a president and a GM. What's interesting to fans came in the third question. All right, Francisco, let's talk Turkey. Are you here for a year or are you willing to sign an extension and be a Met lifer? 
And Lindor had a quote that was not meant for anyone in the media. It was not meant for any fan of the New York Mets. It was meant directly to Steve Cohen. He said, I've never been against an extension. I've never been against signing long-term. But right now, it has to work for both sides. And I don't like negotiating once the season starts, maybe a little bit into spring training, but I really like to have a clear head when the season starts. So here's what happens when a player says that. They really don't care about negotiating during the season. It's the executives who don't like it. It's the manager and the president and the GM and the owner who don't like it. Why? Because it's a clubhouse distraction. When you are negotiating with the player during the season, that player is in the shower with his teammates. That player's in the clubhouse with his teammates on the bus, on the plane, in the field. There's all sorts of chitter chatter. Hey, you're going to get the 10th year. Hey, you're going to get, are you going to get above Machado 30, 300 over 10? Are you going to get bets? You got to get bets. I want you to get bets because then I'm going to get closer to you. I'm just a bit under you. My agent told me I slot just about two years and 4 million below you. So you're not really going to sign for only 20 a year, right? That sort of chatter happens in every single clubhouse. So Lindor with his comment said sort of a timeline that the pitchers and catchers who report in the middle of February, let's say February 17th, he, he's saying today is January 11th. If by February 26th, I don't have a contract, I'm going into shutdown and I will be free to negotiate along with Trevor Story, along with Corey Seager, along with all of the other shortstops, which is code if you're a nothing personal fan that I can't quite remember all the other shortstops, but there are a plethora of them. So by putting a timeline on it, you're saying to the owner, right in the middle of your press conference, I am OFB. I am open for business. Bring it on. But nothing personal, audience. You know better. You know the truth, don't you? You know that there's a reading agreement. You know that there's not one chance in the world, literally, that the Mets traded for him without knowing they had him long-term. You know that the assets they gave up They tampered with Lindor and they spoke to him, but Lindor smiled and said, no, I actually have no extension. Of course he has to say that or else his team gets in trouble. Thank you, Coca. That's five minutes late. It's Monday. I get it. Javi Baez and Carlos Correa are also free agents. Thank you. Now, can can we sleep tonight knowing that it's Trevor Story, Francisco Lindor, Baez, Correa? I think there was a fifth actually but I'm blanking again on that. And you only gave me four. Corey Seager, thank you. There's the five, the five musketeers. So it's not a wait to see because I've waited, I've seen, and you've learned. So it's not even a fair way to see. Lindor will get a contract done. I remind you what happened with Mookie Betts. Do you remember when Mookie Betts was traded to the Dodgers and everyone was worried that he'll only play zero games for the Dodgers because the season's going to be canceled because of COVID and then he's going to be a free agent and the Dodgers will have traded Alex Verdugo and gotten zero games from Mookie Betts. Do you remember that? And then all of a sudden, spring training was back on track. Boom, Mookie Betts signs. Everyone remembers that, right? Yeah, that's what's going to happen here. Welcome to the Mets, Francisco. No pressure, but to be the face of that team, you're going to have to win games. So Jacob DeGrom and the other pitchers on the Mets have a new divisional 
foe. The Washington Nationals made a very interesting sign, and somebody asked a question. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. It's a segment from a movie called Half-Baked. Get on Twitter at David P. Sampson. Get on Apple and rate, review, subscribe. You can ask questions in Twitter or when you review, and I do that at the end of the month with a mailbag bonus episode. But so you want to talk to Sampson is sort of relevant questions about trending topics that you want me to get to right now. Did the Washington Nationals sign Kyle Schwarber because they know there will be universal DH? How does this work? Well, while you were sleeping this weekend, Kyle Schwarber, you know that guy? He played for the Cubs. He was going to be their power-hitting permanent left fielder for the Chicago Cubs. He was the guy during the 2016 World Series. He was hurt. Then he came back. He played during the World Series. He either strikes out, hits home runs, and you just pray to God. And I remember this with some players. You cross your fingers. You say, I'm a good person. Please don't hit the ball toward that guy. Please Well, Kyle Schwarber plays defense about as well as I do. I don't know that he's scared of the ball, but I do know he is a well below average defender. Kyle Schwarber is a perfect platoon guy, a perfect DH. And for him to have signed the $10 million one-year deal with the Washington Nationals, that is only because he was told that he will get 600 plate appearances during the course of a season. He will be playing every day. If you are trying to rebuild value after being non-tendered, which is what Kyle Schwarber was, the Cubs decided they wanted to get him out of the arbitration system. They did not think that he was worth the money that he would get in arbitration. So he took a pay cut, got a one-year deal. He would only take this deal with the Nats with a guarantee of playtime. For the Nats to guarantee playtime, who's their left fielder, Coca? Let me think. I want to say it's that guy named um, Juan Soto. Yeah. They're going to move Juan Soto to right, or does he play right, Coca? Where does Juan Soto play the most majority of his games? I guess they could have Soto play in right field, have Schwarber play in left field. No, here's what's happening. For Schwarber to play left, they'd have to kick Soto out to play right. Schwarber is going to play DH. But you're saying there is no DH. And I'm saying there is. So how did it work? Mike Rizzo goes to Mark Lerner, the owner of the Nationals, and says, we have a chance to get Kyle Schwarber, but he's really best suited as a DH. Could you go ahead and call Rob and find out where we are with the universal DH? Rob says to Mark, we can't say anything because we're negotiating with the players and we don't want to give in. And we want to make sure we get something back. but." Rest assured, there's going to be universal DH because not one of you owners wants your pitchers hitting. Remember Max Scherzer, your own pitcher, when he bunted a ball off his eye? Yeah, we don't want that. Are there other examples where we call Major League Baseball, Central Baseball to find out and confirm things that were going on all the time? We would look at schedule. We'd try to get an advanced look at which teams we were playing. Then we'd look at schedule of when we're playing which teams so we could properly budget attendance for those particular games. When we were negotiating a TV deal, we were talking to Major League Baseball about where other teams slotted and where we should be. 
all of the things that central baseball does that are not collusion, not sharing of information. It's putting your teams in the best position they can be to succeed. The downside of what baseball did is they added a whole group of teams, another 16, 14, 15, 16 teams. Do you know that there's some things, is there a word in the English language that you can't spell because you spell it wrong every time? We all have those words. I have a brain cloud when it comes to the number of AL and NL teams. I know there's 30 teams and I believe it is 15 and 15, but it used to be 14 and 16 and 16 and 14. Anyway, there's 15 more teams. I think it's 15-15 now because every day there's interleague baseball. So it is 15-15. You didn't even have to correct me on that, Coca. 15 more teams could bid for Kyle Schwarber and other such DHs like Marcelo Zuna, who's a free agent, who will command a multi-year deal, but is best served as a DH. So Rob Manford said to himself, while I'm not excited to give this information to Mark Lerner, I'm going to do it because it is in the best interests of baseball that these players get signed, but I'm not going to lie to my owners. So to conclude is, did the Nets sign Kyle Schwarber because they know there will be universal DH? Yes. There is no other reason you sign a DH as a National League team. None. We actually talked to baseball about Universal DH before it became Universal DH because there were certain free agents we wanted to sign like million dollar or two million dollar players and we wanted to get them at bats but really they didn't have a position and we were always cautioned hey listen not this year not this year not this year and we would use that information to build our team accordingly you cannot do a Universal DH and not give the National League warning because they're building their roster. And if you build your roster and don't sign a DH, then you have a disadvantage inherently versus the American League. And that's not good for baseball. Okay. So thanks for that question. And that's how it works. Not going to hear really anywhere else but here, but that's really how it works. All right. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that made me smile. And if you know Born to Run is one of my all-time top books. It's on a list that Coke has still figured out how to publish. There was a movie made that is really like the Born to Run book. I wouldn't say it's a movie based on the book, but it's close enough. So we're going to review that. And we are going to get, I promise you, to what's going on with Deshaun Watson. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David. Thanks for making it through the gauntlet. Yes, I'm proud to say we've got a gauntlet now. 
I watched a movie called The Infinite Race. The Infinite Race. Squeeze me. Although if you're watching this, you know I just cleared my throat. If you're listening to this, it was just silence. I didn't even have to say excuse me. I don't know why I did say excuse me. So The Infinite Race is a movie about a tribe of people who run. They run bare feet. They run in sandals. They were immortalized in the book Born to Run. And it is a movie about a race that takes place in this Mexican tribe around this town. And it is an ultra marathon. And it started just locally. And then there were a few Americans who would come. And now this race draws from around the world. And in large part because of the book Born to Run, which basically cataloged the Tarahumara tribe and explained that the reason they run is based on the mountainous region and how far they have to go to get water and how far they have to go to get food, how far they have to go to school, to work. It is not that anyone who had any form of convenience in their life would live, but when you're forced to live that way, you make the best of it. You over thousands of years evolve and you become great runners. And I'm not talking about just males. I'm talking about males, females, non-gender specific. Everybody can run in this tribe. And everybody cheers on everybody as they're running from place to place, as they're delivering items from place to place. And this race, and the reason it's called the infinite race is not because it goes forever. The race itself has a start and an end. The infinite race is the title because this tribe is infinitely running. They're on the road to nowhere with David Byrne, and it is part of their culture. The most beautiful part of their culture is the fact that they're in shape and they have taken what could be a negative because they are not close to anything and they have made it their own. And when people descend upon their tribe, they welcome them. They don't fight them. They don't shoot them. They welcome them. They don't eat them either. They welcome them. It's a movie well worth watching. It was suggested by one of you, and I'm very appreciative of that. I love when you guys give me suggestions. I really do. It's called The Infinite Race, and I'd love to tell you what platform it's on, but that would have required me remembering what platform it's on. Okay, I got another bit of bad news about a company. Do you remember, I don't know if this was during Nothing Personal or before Nothing Personal, when I told the story about the hiring of the commissioner and the search firm that was hired by Bud Selig, a search firm called Corn Ferry. And they were a search firm that was in charge of, quote unquote, the search to replace Bud Selig as commissioner of baseball. Now, when you are looking for a job, and you're willing to move to a different city or a different state, or you're willing to move into a different industry, you often get what's called a headhunter or a search firm to find a job for you. Or the other way, when you are a company looking to hire someone and you are looking for someone who you would have no access to otherwise because he, she, or they are working in Boise and you want to bring them to Miami, you don't know who's in Boise or Fargo. 
So you get a search firm to identify candidates, bring them to you, you interview them, and then decide who you're going to hire. You pay Corn Ferry a fee. Baseball paid Corn Ferry a pretty penny. Do you know who the candidates were for commissioner with Rob Manford, who was basically the number two person in baseball? It was Tim Brosnan, basically the number four person in baseball. Tom Werner, one of the owners of the Red Sox. There were a few other names early, but those were simply so Corn Ferry could say two things. One, we've earned our fee. And two, you all considered minorities. You've got cover. Well, Corn Ferry was hired by the owner, Cam McNair of the Houston Texans. And they were hired. His name is Cal, not Cam. Sorry, Coca. Thank you. And he's the chairman, but he's also the owner. I promise. Didn't Bob McNair die? I think Bob McNair died. And that's why Cal McNair is now the general, the general partner. In any case, they hired Corn Ferry. Let's, can we get back to the damn story, Matt? No, he's still in my ear. Okay, here we go. Ready? Janice McNair is still alive. I guess Janice McNair is Bobby McNair's wife. So in theory, Janice McNair owns the team and Cal McNair is the chairman with Nary and ownership stake. Are we good now? Can we get back to Corn Ferry? Just when you're ready. I'll wait. I'm good. Okay. No, I won't. Yes. No. I I think people do care. All right. By the way, do people hear when you're yelling? Corn Ferry was hired to identify a general manager that the Texans would hire. Corn Ferry identified two minority candidates. McNair ignored Corn Ferry purportedly and hired Nick Casario. Nick Casario, remember we covered that? Deshaun Watson was furious because he wanted input and he wanted Eric Bieniemy. He wanted other people to interview and his people didn't even get a look. And McNair said, hey, he is involved. I'm even going to call him later, but he's on vacation. I can't reach him. Blah, blah, blah. You know better here. Nothing personal. McNair was going to do exactly what he wanted to do from the beginning while giving Watson maybe the appearance that he had to say, but knowing he had no say at all. Number two, Corn Ferry was hired as eyewash, straight eyewash. And I'm not upset with you, Corn Ferry. That's your job. But do you think that in football or baseball, when you're hiring a GM or a commissioner, that you have the ability to identify candidates that poof are going to come out of thin air? When there's an opening and somebody wants that job, everybody knows about that opening. If they're interested, they're contacting the team. It's not like becoming the head of sales for a widget company in the middle of Texas where you may not know that job exists. It's outrageous. It's, it's, but you know what? We did it too. We'd hire search firms and we'd interview people. But at the end of the day, we were hiring exactly who we wanted to hire. And that's how it works. Deshaun Watson wants to hear nothing of it. There is now panic. And I mean, straight panic in Houston that he's going to demand a trade. He's going to withhold. Here's a great expression they use. Deshaun Watson is considering withholding his services. How does that work? Do you raise your hand? Hi. My name's Deshaun Watson. I'm a quarterback who just signed a huge extension with over $100 million of guaranteed money. And I am withholding my service. I'm not going to serve you any longer. I know 
I don't have a right to tell you who the GM, the coach should be, but I think I do. Therefore, I'm out. Trade me or hire my guy. You think we've empowered people just a tad little if they have the right to withhold their service? Now, you could say to me, David, you don't have to pay him if he withholds his service. And I would say to you, that's nice, but this is a guy who's one of the top five quarterbacks in the entire NFL, had a great season, and my issue is on the other side of the ball and putting people around him so the Texans can win more than four games. People in Miami, Coca said, no one cares. But I think they do. Would you trade Tua and two first-round picks for Deshaun Watson if you're a Dolphin fan? Rumors are that Watson would agree to a trade to the Dolphins. Can you imagine? Thank you. He has a full no-trade clause, by the way. So he's actually in control of who the Texans can trade him to. So he has made it clear. I may withhold my services if you don't trade me exactly where I want to be because I'm looking at a house right next to Tommy and Jared. It's not going to happen. I think I got to wait to see here. I really do. I think we're making it official. Wait to see, folks. Deshaun Watson may demand a trade all he wants. He may withhold his service all he wants. Deshaun Watson, wait to see. He will not be traded before the start of the 2021 season. Because if I am Janice McNair or Cam McNair, I will not give that sort of power to that player. Bad enough I gave him the greenbacks. I'm not giving him the power. God, these NFL teams, just what, what is going on? Can I tell you about a meeting that's taking place today? I'm going to do it by phone. Okay, hold on. I'm going to see. Are we going to get in trouble if I do, the, uh, if I do my ringtone? I, I don't think we will. Let's just see if we do. Hello, is Doug there? Um, Yes, who's this? Uh, This is Jeffrey Lurie, your owner. Oh, I could barely hear you. I'm so used to seeing you in the clubhouse after games, upset or not showing up. Hey, how you doing, Jeffrey? Everything good? This is Jeffrey Lurie, right? Not Jeffrey Lurie, the former owner of the Marlins and Expos. No, no, it's Jeffrey Lurie. Okay. Um, what, What can I do for you, Jeffrey? Well, Doug, listen, I appreciate, and don't get me wrong, I really loved winning the Super Bowl with you in 2018. That was fun. But I'm not feeling it right now. Doug, can you sell me on the fact that you've got a plan for the Eagles on the offensive and defensive side? I need you to sell. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, what, 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 Jeff? You, you want me to, I, I, I'm hearing you. You want me to sell you on Carson Wentz? playing quarterback instead of Jalen Hurts? Well, I I can't sell you on that. I know I wanted him signed, but you pressured me. We lost Nick Foles and we had Wentz, so I felt like it was good to sign him. But I I mean, listen, I don't want to be responsible for the fact that Wentz just absolutely sucks. I think we got to play with Hurts. But um, um, Doug, Doug, this is Jeffrey. What, What do you want me to do about Wentz? Because he's not tradable. So should I just eat the money? Well, well, Jeffrey, that's not my job. My job is to tell you how to make our team better. And what happened this year is I was forced to play Carson and you saw the team play better. If you give me a full season with Jalen, that's my plan. Well, what's your plan on the defensive side? Don't worry about the defensive side, Jeffrey. I've got it taken care of. Just let me play the guys I want to play. 
but Doug, are you saying that as the owner, I can't get involved in who plays and when they play and how they play? And you're not going to show me the playbook anymore? Um, Jeffrey, that would be ideal. I'm not going to lie to you. On the other hand, maybe we could be like the Cowboys if you wanted to name yourself GM, and then we'd have plenty of things to talk about. But I believe that we're in the best position to make decisions, not you. That's outrageous, Doug. You're not selling me very well. Selling you. My agent has spoken to four teams, three networks, plus Nickelodeon. I've got jobs waiting for me. I'm not going to sell you. If you want to fire me, fire me. I, I wish you wouldn't, but frankly, just do it. But this back and forth, I'm not selling anything to you. Um, Doug, let me be clear how this works. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, please, Doug. No, sweetheart, I'm getting to that. I'm going to tell him. No, no, I know. I'm telling him. No, hold on. Doug, 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 I'm the owner of this team, and I'm telling you right now, you better sell better. Was that good? Was that good? Okay, harder. Doug, this is outrageous. We are not going to have a team like we had last year ever again. And if you don't take responsibility, then I'm just going to get rid of you. Okay, good. Jeffrey, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, I got to run. I'm working on the playbook. Yeah, just call me when you know. That's what's going on in Philadelphia. Good luck. He's got to sell his vision. Yeah, it's 2020. <sighs> Nothing personal pick of the day. We picked all games this weekend. Did anybody else spend the entire weekend watching football? Two triple headers. It was like a dream come true. Game one on Saturday to game six last night. I gave you two picks last Wednesday, four picks on Friday. Let's see how we did. Remember, I was 0-2 going into this. Let's start with the Bills game, which has caused one of the great disagreements between me and Coca. When I told you that to take the Bills over, I said the line was 51 and a half. I assumed you're not going to call in your bet not at that moment. You're going to call it in closer to game time to see whether the line moves. The line moved to 50 and a half. The final score of the game was 51. Therefore, to me, we went over. That's a win. To Coca, that's a loss because when I tell you to go over and that the current line is 51 and a half, I'm assuming it's 51 and a half. When the game ended at 51, that's under. I lose. I'm tired of fighting. I took the loss. I do think it's a crock of crap. When I give you the pick, I'm giving you the side. So, for example, I want you to go over in the Bills game. I want you to shop for the lowest over-under you can find. Secondly, the Titans were playing the Ravens. The Titans were going to beat the Ravens. That was clear as day. They were getting three points. The Titans were going to win. Well, the Ravens stomped on the Titans logo. The Ravens won the game. And, um, oh, my God, Coca. Lamar Jackson, reigning MVP of your favorite team, ran off the field without shaking hands, said it was COVID. He's lying. Said we weren't trying to be disrespectful by stomping. They were. They remember when the Titans stomped on the Ravens logo. It was a whole big to-do, but we lost that pick. We had a good recovery with the Saints-Bears game, as we, as we spoke about earlier this show. Saints beat the Bears, covered. That's a win. What about the Seahawks beating the Rams? How did the Seahawks lose to the Rams? How did the Rams win that playoff game when they had Jared Goff, who had to take place of another quarterback who got hurt and 
he has a broken thumb and it was a joke. Turns out the Rams defense is pretty damn good. And when someone plays good defense against Russell Wilson, the Rams are going to win. That's a loss. But last night was the best victory of the weekend. Yes, we had the Browns over the Steelers. We knew they were going to break the record and score 28 points in the first quarter, the most ever points scored in the first order of any playoff game ever. We knew it. We were so confident that we took the Bills minus 20 and we won. We also said the Washington football team was going to cover against Tom Brady. Now, how many of you raise hands, bet with your heart? How many? I would say many of you. You bet a game you're going to watch. You bet for the team you love because you want to feel even doubly good. I always thought you should bet against the team you love because then if that team loses, you win your bet. And so you're happy you won the money. And if the team wins, you lose your money, but your team won. Why would you double down by betting on your favorite team? It doesn't make any sense to me. The greatest thing is when your team is, let's say, favored by 10 points, you bet the other team and hope your team wins by between one and nine, and then you get the daily double. That's like an emotional parlay. So I was rooting against the Buccaneers, even though I'm excited to see Drew Brees play against Tom Brady and maybe Tom Brady to play against Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees to play against Aaron Rodgers. It's just a win-win, assuming Aaron Rodgers actually beats the Rams. But the fact of the matter is this. I had the Bucs losing. Washington football team did not win the game, but they did cover the spread. We went three and three in the six games. We are now three and five. Pick of the day today. It's a double pick as I am desperately chasing Amy to get to 500. For those of you who don't like college football, you're going to watch some NBA. Well, there's a great game in the NBA. It's the Dallas Mavericks against the New Orleans Pelicans who have lost three games in a row. And these are the type of games I love where the Mavericks are only favored by three points. And when there's a superstar who's sort of a veteran, even though Luca is not exactly a veteran, but he's more of a veteran than Zion is, who's the superstar of the Pelicans. These players get up for these type games. If I'm Luca, I am motivated by the fact that I want Zion to leave the game tonight saying, wow, Luca's the superstar. I'm not quite there yet. Mavericks, three over the Pelicans. It's going to happen. But if you're watching the college football game, I spent myriad seconds on this. We got Alabama favored by nine over Ohio State. Ohio State, the 11th ranked team, according to the Clemson coach, Davo Sweeney the number three ranked team, according to everybody else, playing the number one ranked team. Is Alabama one, Coca? Is this one three? I think it's one versus three. Alabama favored by nine. When you're watching a college football championship game and you have a chance to get more than nine points or above, you take the dog. This game will not be a blowout. It's going to be a great game. It will be fun to watch. You can actually maybe watch the Mavericks game and then switch back to the college football game, go back and forth. I think the game's in Miami. It's going to be exciting. I'm taking Ohio State plus nine. Those are the two picks. We're getting to 500 Coca, and then you can complain to me later. All right, to finish, I want to talk some wait to sees because wait to see is something that we do here on Nothing Personal, and we go back. This is show number 288. Can you believe that, Coca? That's just the ones we number. I number all the ones when we're preparing. It doesn't count the bonuses or the Samson sit-downs. Don't we have a Samson sit-down being released this week? We sat down with Pablo Torre of ESPN and had a very funny conversation for about 
45 or 50 minutes. And Coca is going to release that at a day of his choosing, because as he likes to tell me before and after every show, and frankly, during the show in my left ear, he knows way more than I do about everything I'm talking about. He knows how to get a bigger audience. Frankly, he's built the entire show, which happens to be true. I would be the same way when we had one person downloading the show versus all of the people who are doing it now. And it's not me not telling you the numbers because the number changes every day, but it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. Everybody listening there? Everybody listening there in New York? It grows and grows and grows and grows like a fungus. And then it takes over your body. Wait to see is a segment that I've loved from the beginning. It's the hashtag on Twitter at David P. Sampson. We say things are going to happen because we believe they're going to happen. And when they don't happen, I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to revisit it. Like when I make a mistake on the show and I give you a correction, if Coca doesn't correct me on the spot, I'll revisit the correction the next day or whenever you catch up on the shows and tell me I got something wrong. All the way back in March of 2020, almost a year ago, it was March 23rd. I said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not make it past Wild Card Weekend. That was my prediction. If I had known then that Brady at 43 would have one of the greatest seasons of all time, by the way, by the way, excuse me, please get on your um, phone right now and search for a side-by-side on the CBS Instagram page of Tom Brady and George Blanda. Tom Brady is older than George Blanda was when George Blanda was so old. We called him grandpa when he played later in his career. Tom Brady at 43 had an unbelievable season, and I didn't realize that they would play the under 500 winner of the NFC Least Division. Anyway, we got it wrong. We then moved on to December 9th, 2020. Incidentally, the anniversary of my first day in baseball, which was December 9th, 1999. On December 9th, 2020, here was the wait to see. There was all this talk about Michigan getting rid of Jim Harbaugh. Will Jim Harbaugh sign an extension? I said, wait to see. He will sign an extension before the next college football season. He just agreed to an extension. And guess why? When you've got the backing of the boosters, the B-O-B, you're not going to get F-I-R-E-D. And Harbaugh has the B-O-B in Michigan. He signed an extension. That wait to see happened as we knew it would. Next, on Friday, we talked about the Washington football team playing the Bucs. We talked about Chase Young saying, I want you, Tom Brady. I want you, Tom Brady. I'm coming for you, Tom Brady. And I said, Chase Young, it's perfect. He's going to get a sack for sure. I set the over-under at a half a sack. What I did not ponder is that Chase Young would be hurt. I did not ponder that he wouldn't play the entire game. And I did not ponder that he would be so bad. Chase Young had zero sacks. We lost that weight to see. But don't you worry, Tom Brady. There is plenty of more business to be done as it relates to the Buccaneers and you during this playoff run. And you know, Tom and Giselle, how I feel about you living in Derek Jeter's house in Tampa on the water. Do you want the address? Hey, it's nothing personal. 